Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to episode 290 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putve, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Treg Wilson is not available as he is out on location, knocking people over the head and dragging them into a cave so they can join the forces. That's pretty much I mean, how it happened. Out- that's how it happened with me. So, <laughs> I think that's what they call recruiting. I think so, yeah. You know, forcing people to take, you know, a living wage and benefits and, you know, but they'd have to work all day. Yeah. Like you did today. Yeah. 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 Via Zoom. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the work, it's not worth it. No. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, at least I have a job. That's the most important thing. It is. You know, most people would have fired me by now, but not not the king. <laughs> Felt bad. His, his mom didn't fire me for all those years, so he feels like, yeah, he's kind of got to let it go. Yeah. If mom let it go, you know. <laughs> yeah. How she bad, can, me, how bad just, can he really be? <laughs> 10 minutes alone with me, he'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is not right. We need to fire him. That's why Treg's out doing the recruiting. They're like, oh, we got to put our best face forward. Absolutely. I'm sure he's flexing hard on those potential re- recruits too. He's just yeah. like, he's yeah. just like, look what the military gives you. And then he just like brings out the guns. And every single one of them just looks down at him and say, do they sell you lifts too? <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Treg. We love you. Even though you're short. <laughs> Craig's our muscular Smurf. He's he's hefty Smurf. <laughs> he's gonna hear this show and he's just gonna be punching air <laughs> until he gets out here and he's just gonna be punching my head. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Once he finds a ladder. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> he's not here to defend himself, which makes That's it right. funnier. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're we're now this is uh this is going to be our first episode that we're going to put out through megaphone so we have switched over from anchor to the megaphone.fm uh app should be an interesting uh, thing to see um we are now joining uh, i can announce that now we're joining prior media and uh they're providing us with uh hosting services they're going to be giving us some production help uh this is going to be a staged event. So basically in stages, they're going to add little bits and little bits until we finally start looking and sounding like actual professionals. We hope. I might have to put a green screen up behind me. <laughs> I mean, there's limits to our professionalism. Yeah. To be honest. That's true. They knew what they were hiring when they brought us on. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, no, they're going to be, they're going to be providing us a little bit of extra help. They're going to be, uh, giving us a larger platform, helping us, uh, get the show out to more people, uh, so that we can add to the community that's joined us already and interact with us on a daily basis, which we truly enjoy. Absolutely. And it is really, it's a, it's a thriving community. It's building, like we're seeing, um, people jump into podcasting and uh, and getting into the media and everything, and it's it's great to see. And we made a lot of great connections over the years um, with those people. Oh, hundred uh, percent. The people at Happy Hour, Chili Pepper, Beth, Dave, uh, the people over at Locked On Canadians, Scott and Laura, Habs uh, Tonight. The Raw Knuckles podcast, all these different shows, all these different podcasts, all getting together and helping each other out and building a larger community. Absolutely. Really, I really enjoy that part of it. 
Yeah. Uh, like, which and is, the community is really stronger when everyone works together and everyone is yeah. uh, is kind of going towards the the common goal of uh, you know getting the best product out there and and, and you know working together to uh, you know we can we can say all we want you know hey we're the best show we're this we're this we're this but it's great to have other contributors on and see what they bring to the table and I and I think that just it just builds on our show that much more and it it gets their name out there it gets our name out there and it's just you know it, it makes these bonds and then we see these people when we go into into montreal or when we go to uh, you know we're on site at the draft or anything like that and uh you know these connections are are they're special they're really they really are yeah they're long lasting i mean we we make uh we have events that we set up and we go visit these people and we have a great time. We've made really good friends at this. And anyone who who believes that they're in a competition and that everyone should watch only their show and no one else's is delusional. Uh, everyone that listens to us clearly listens to several other podcasts, television shows. They don't they don't narrow their view to just three dummies on one podcast. They widen their view to a bunch of dummies on several podcasts. And every now and then a dummy like one of us goes on to one of their podcasts. <laughs> well, whenever they, they hit the bottom of their list, you're like, ah, yeah. All right. All right. We'll invite one of them. Yeah. That's, that's the way we want to do things. That's, and that's what cry media is going to allow us to do that. They're not going to get involved in how we run the show or who we talk to. They're not going to be overbearing. They're just going to give us tools. They're going to help us uh, with bringing in more uh, people for uh, guest appearances or anything that we need that we say that we require. They will do their best to help us. And that's that's really why uh, we felt that we should sign on with them. O on a temporary basis for now, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I have a very, very good feeling about this collaboration. As do I. Now, now that that's out and uh, it's now official, uh, today's episode, the 290th episode of Habs Unfiltered, uh, I say that because I'm kind of impressed that we've still been around this long. So I'm just happy to say 290. We're almost at 300. That'll be a big, that'll be a big episode, maybe. Um, but for this one, we will cover uh, a little bit of a game recap with the uh, Penguins game on Saturday. There's going to be a game against the New Jersey Devils. As we record, it's the 14th of November. They'll be playing New Jersey tomorrow on Tuesday on the 15th of November. And we'll talk a little bit about some trade rumors that are running around. So without further ado, Let's kick it off with the Penguins game on Saturday night. Sid the Kid with his walker <laughs> and his and his teammates rolled into Montreal looking for a big win and they didn't get it. No, they 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 ran into a tougher opponent than what uh, I think they expected. And yes, the uh, the Penguins were playing on a back-to-back -back where they had just beat the Leafs the night prior. Um but they had all their they had all their players out there, and they had Tristan Jerry and Nett. Uh, it was a it was a back and forth game from start to finish. And I know there was a lot made up of uh, you know with Suzuki shooting percentage and all of this nonsense online that there's been a back and forth, especially with Treg yeah. and some people <laughs> at the at the Athletic. Yeah, and I find it entertaining, but yeah. at the same time. You can complain that Suzuki's outperforming based on his shooting percentage. Right. But he's shooting a lot, which means some of them are going to go in. I went 25% on uh, on Saturday night. He's got a season average of 27. It's kind of an outlandish number right now, but we're 15 games into the year, right? We haven't played 82 just yet. That's true. And yes, he's on a bit of a heater, which there's going to be ups and downs but at the same time that shooting percentage is also indicative of the fact that he is his shot selection has been excellent thus far yeah, yeah. his shots are coming from high danger zones 
Yeah, and we're seeing uh, we he always was a player that was confident carrying the puck and uh, and being able to slow the game down. And we're seeing that with Caulfield as well this year. It's not just a hey, it's on my stick, I got to get rid of it. Yeah, um, we're seeing him come to the zone and then slowing the game down. And with Suzuki becoming, say, more of a threat to the opposition, it's creating space for other players. And I think that's why we're we're seeing the success that this line is having, and uh, Doc moving up to that line, uh, he's he's been kind of so far he's been really the best piece that they've been able to add to it in in some time. Oh, absolutely! And this game against the Penguins, it wasn't it it wasn't that the Canadians just got lucky as either. They outshot the Penguins 51 to 35. Yeah. They granted the Penguins did take a lead and they had a, they had a pretty good lead, a couple of goals, but the Canadians came back. They found a way. They got some goals. Uh, the Monaghan goal, especially the one right in front of the net on that power play. Yeah. Those kinds of greasy little goals. That's not a, sh- that, I mean, that gives them a hundred percent shooting percentage. Right. But where did he shoot from? Yeah, they all count. That's, the, yeah, they all count at the end of the day, right? They all count. You can't just say, "Well, the shooting percentage is too high." You do have to look at where these players are when they're taking these shots. Yeah, that Monahan goal gives them a hundred percent shooting percentage on there, right? But it was greasy as hell. Yeah, and it was one of those you just tap it in. If you it's, miss that. Then you got problems. Yeah. Like even Caulf- like Caulfield took six shots in that game. Yes. And he scored a goal. But he's, that's still 16.7%. So when you think about it, usually a general rule of thumb is one goal for every 10 shots. Right. When you think about it, that's usually about the average. But Caulfield's a little bit better than uh, a little bit better than the average shooter. So that makes sense. If it makes feel any better, um, Slavkovsky's at 30% right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the good news is that was the second game of his, of his suspension. Yeah. It'll be nice to have So him now back. he can come back. Yeah. Yes, it will. <clears throat> and I know it was nice to have Anderson back in that game. Absolutely. Um, we'll get into him a little bit later on, a little bit uh, possible some rumors going on there. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, starting the game – Less than two minutes in, Anderson just, you know, a, a quick whip on Ed, and all of a sudden, Canadians get a one nothing lead, and uh, the energy's in the building. Um, really, you, you look at the game, and it was, it was, it was, it was another one of the, uh, it was another display of not giving up uh, by the Canadians roster. And other than those two, excuse me. Those two quick goals, um, one going in, um, one going in off the stick of Evans, the other one bouncing off of a uh, off of a ref and then leading to a goal. Started, it was it was go time, and it was you score on me, I score on you. You score on me, I score on you. And there was uh, there was some uh, questionable calls on both sides. Uh, there was another one yeah. against Savard, unfortunately, uh, for another one of those pushes that led to a trip. And, you know, he was animated again, not as animated as he was the other night where he got the uh, the misconduct. But both teams in that game had uh, had some reason to swear. Let's just say that. And I know that I swore quite a few times in that game. Um uh, Usually when it was when the Penguins took a lead, right? Um, it was it was another one of those games, though. Um, the uh, the big guys came to play in uh, in Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, Kirby Doc had another great game. He had a good pass to uh, to Hoffman for the game winner uh, through Jeff Petrie, which I don't know how that puck made it through, but thankfully it did. It's Jeff Petrie. Yeah. It would find a way. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we also saw we also saw some other guys. Uh, you you mentioned Anderson. He got on the scoreboard. Monahan 
scoring the power play goal there with just under five or uh, just over five minutes to go off of the, the initial shot from Drouin. Um, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm, li- I'm, I'm liking the no quit attitude that this team has. Um, I'm liking that, um, you know, this, this young team and this, this rookie captain, some people were saying he's too young, he's too uh, inexperienced, et cetera. Can't lead this team. Uh, you got Martin St. Louis who, you know, never been a coach and all of a sudden he comes in and what's he going to be able to do? You've got all these mismatched pieces. Well, they're turning heads right now. And if the playoffs started right now, they'd be in, they'd be in a wild card spot. Yeah. And that's not exactly where people expected them to be. And I don't a, think that a lot that's of people don't want, and a lot of people don't want them to be there. And I can understand that. I truly can. Um, but I do feel like this team's going to regress to the mean a bit. Uh, they are outperforming what we expected from them. And there's, there's still a lot of warts to this roster. And it's not like they're not putting in the effort. Like you mentioned, St. Louis has got these guys. Really, there's no quit in this team, which honestly, I, I truly love seeing because that's that right there is going to have a much larger impact on the long-term viability of a contending team right. versus tanking out and getting either a Bedard or a Fantilli. Like the difference between Bedard and some of the other top 10 uh, prospects is not as wide as some people would hope or think. And because of that, that, that no quit attitude, that, that never give up that constant work ethic that coupled with a high end prospect makes more than makes up for getting that versus just a Bedard. Right. And and remember fans, as you're watching this season, always boo the Panthers because we want them to lose. (laughs) (laughs) We want that. We want a high first round pick. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, even another pick in the top 20, I I would I would take it any day. You get two first round oh, yeah. picks in the take two first round picks in the top twenty. Maybe you use your highest and you flip your second. Yeah, if the Canadians end up with two two high end picks in the top, you know, say they'll say top ten and then top twenty. Right. They're they're going to be well set up, and that's not to say that they won't have other uh, picks and prospects coming as the trade deadline approaches. But for now. Right. Well, look, look what they did this with, year, right? Look what they yeah. did this year with Slavkovsky, Messer, and then they flipped their they flipped their other one that they acquired to get Kirby Doc. So it's looking like it worked out pretty well for them so far. So far, because Kirby Doc looks like a, a, an excellent fit on that top line, but that doesn't mean he's not going to get moved back down to the uh, to center and continue his apprenticeship there. Great. For Great. now, that line's working. Yeah. For now, so they're not going to touch it. It would, it would make no sense to do that right now, uh, especially with the fact that Doc is also providing secondary scoring when he's not on that line, like in the overtime. That's right. Yeah. The Hoffman goal came off of his stick. Yeah. But the only problem that I'm having right now with the top line and like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you look at a, at a hole for this season and that top line has contributed to 23 goals. Okay. Canadians as a Canadians as a whole have scored 46. So 50% of the goals have come for those three players. And we we've seen, we've seen, you know, uh, Hoffman's on a burner lately. Like, I don't know what's going on with him, but I'm liking it. I'm liking his compete level. I'm liking that. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's still making some of these weird passes, but, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, he got those first couple and he's playing with more confidence now. And I think that he looks at the lineup that, you know, maybe just maybe I'm not going to sit out now. And you're going to look at other players. Um, you're going to look at other players like Pizzetta, Drouin, Dadnov, et cetera, that might sit on the bench now because uh, Panaz, let's just say that. Um, I think that 
with Hoffman, uh, St. Louis has given him a lot of leeway through the season. Very much and so. And what we're seeing, yeah. And what we're seeing from him now are people are going to overlook the warts in his game because he's producing goals. Yeah. He's not playing any different now than he did in game one, two, three. Every game is in the same. He's up against the same level of competition on a regular basis. The matchups are kept the same. He's he's up against the bottom six a lot. And his underlying numbers are very, very good. The difference being that those giveaways that he had in the other games when he wasn't producing that sometimes led to goals really stood out because he wasn't producing any any goals from the other end. So he, right. he was a minus versus an even or a plus. Agreed. Yeah. So for now, everyone's happy because he's a bit of a plus, but his game has not changed whatsoever. And the second someone calls Hughes up to take Hoffman off his hands, I hope to Christ he takes him up on it. <laughs> you want a bag of pucks? Done. Yeah. Here you go. Take the contract because in all in all seriousness, uh, as much as Hoffman's play in the last week has really looked a lot better, like I said, he, he hasn't really changed. He's just producing now. Yeah. What the Canadians gain is that four point five million in cap space plus a roster position that a young guy can be called up to. So, you know, that Ren Pitlick wouldn't have had to have been sent down. He could have kept uh, stayed with the Canadians. Pizetta could get more ice time. Hell, they could call up Yessi Alonen, who has yeah. earned. NHL time. Right. And that would go a longer way in uh, the long-term development of the team. So I'm glad he's doing that. I'm hoping that he convinces a GM somewhere to take him on. But in this game against the Penguins, he played the hero. And that, he can't take that away from me. He, He played his game, his way, and it worked out. And you look at the amount of ice time that he had, he didn't have a lot. He only had 1422 of total ice. I mean, Monahan had 1722. Evans had more ice time than uh, Hoffman did, which makes sense. Anderson, however, had less ice time than Hoffman, and that's because Anderson doesn't do power play. That's right. Just straight on five on five. Yeah. Another take out of this game. I thought it was one of Jordan Harris's weaker games. Well, which would explain why he had less than 15 minutes of ice time. Um, I found that um, the goal that was weird because everything, it was like, it was, it was going to be like a three, uh, a three on three. And then the Canadians were going to get a four on three. And like, obviously it's like the weirdest shit that happened, um, you know, not in overtime, um, but just the little pinch that he made um the little pinch that he made up into the like he, he kind of jumped the gun off the face off thinking that maybe that he would be able to uh to get possession for the team but the way that i looked at it is you know you got a power play coming maybe your power play is not the greatest but at least you've got a power play coming um maybe not make that jump because then it was a 2 one one the end other way and mcginn potted a goal on it right so I, I know that, yes, the Canadians scored 40 seconds later, but what if they hadn't, right? So that would, would have really been, you know, a, 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 one of those things you could have looked back on and said, you know, there you go. That's 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 why they lost the game. But but this is one of the first times that I've talked negative about Jordan Harris because he, because he does play a, a well-rounded uh, 200-foot game. And usually when we're not talking about somebody, it's probably and you're a defenseman, you're probably doing your job correctly. It's the first time all season that um that uh Harris has had any real problems. So consider he's a rookie. We're already 15 games in the season. This is the first time he's had some real difficulties, and it's against a very, very well-constructed veteran team whose window is still kind of open. So you're going up against Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, uh, Chris Letang. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have a bad game, and right. it, it just makes it worse when you're going up against guys like this. Yeah. 
But they did. They did. Uh, Crosby didn't get a point in the game though, and he was in, and he was a minus two. And uh, who who was the defenseman that they were using as a matchup with him again? I think his 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 name rhymes with Uli. <laughs> he's continued to impress. He's uh, he has looked so good. He only put he popped two assists in that game, and uh, he, like ladies and gentlemen, like, this kid is just getting better. He really is. And uh, I knew that they had a good player when they picked him. Um, he went and played at the juniors, looked very good there. And I, it was just a matter of time. You know, he was the uh, WHL uh, playoff MVP. And uh, yeah, the guy, the guy was just getting better. And uh, we talked about this a bit in our last show. Like he's outperforming on a line with the guy that's playing a Vard, who's not a he's not a top pairing guy and it'll be interesting to see i think that line's going to stay together uh i think it'd be a little bit silly to break it up now but with matheson coming back and he's still skating with a non-contact jersey at the moment but with right now you look at him and keep that line together but do you put matheson with with uh, Jack guy, or do you put Matheson with uh, Edmondson? Uh, if I were the coach and I'm clearly not because I'm in my basement doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> if I were, I would try to keep the Savard Gooley pairing together. Yeah. I would move them down to a second pairing uh, role, which would help Savard who, despite the fact that he is, he's, put in a lot of good strong hockey is still a little bit out of his depth on right. that top line. Right. So throwing Edmondson, who by the way, had a very solid game against the, uh, the penguins that I think that was his third game in a row where he really started to, sh- to look like he he's comfortable again. Um, you put Matheson and Ed- Edmondson together who Edmondson can play on the right side. They can take that top line or that top pairing role. Gooley and and Savard playing in that second pair would I think would look even better, especially Gooley, who shut down Crosby and put up points right. while putting up the second most amount of ice ice time on the team behind Nick Suzuki. Right. And he's doing so on a regular basis. So So that would leave Harris with Jack Eye or Kovacevic yeah. given the game. And then you've still got Weidman there as well. So obviously they're going to have to make a roster spot available. And that's when it's going to be a little bit interesting to see who goes down. Is there going to be a deal made, et cetera? Uh, there, yeah. I mean, they could make a trade, but the more likely thing to happen would be they would keep Kovacevic and Weidman on the roster because they can, they can go back and forth, interchange with each other. Uh, Weidman being that that veteran who <clears throat> knows his role, Kovacevic, yeah. who's just showed up on waivers. They don't want to take the chance of losing him on waivers now that he's passed the number of games and days and all that. So they have to put him on waivers again and would lose him. More than likely, they'd have to pick between keeping Jack Eye or Harris on the roster. And as much as I like Harris's overall game, and I think that he's going to be the better defenseman in the long run, Right now, Jack Eye has done more. Yeah, he's shown more. Yeah, he's getting more shots on net. He yeah. is. He's physical. He is strong defensively. He's doing all those little things that that Harris is doing for the most part. But he's yeah. adding that dimension of uh, producing uh, a lot of pucks to the net. Right. So what I like about Harris's game, we'll just do a little quick comparison. I like how he he can move with the puck. Uh, obviously, he's, he's but Jack I can still move the puck pretty damn well for a big man. Um, I like the physicality that Jack I brings. Yet Harris is very good at getting into the lanes, blocking shots using a stick. Right, being a disruptor more uh, strategically as opposed to physically. Right, but uh, you know, like you. you when you hear when you when you hear about the Canadians young players, it's usually Gooley Jack Eye, Gooley Jack Eye when it comes to the back end. And yes, we know the Harris is there. And and as you said, he might end up being the better defenseman, 
down the road. But I would agree with you if they don't move a guy out like um, Harris to go down to Laval, then or or uh, uh, sorry about that. Um, that they that they send a guy, they either make a trade or they uh, they send somebody else down. Then maybe Harris would be the logical choice. Um, because I, I am liking the overall game of Jack. I being that, uh, you know, that physical deterrence and, uh, obviously they, they like him enough that they're giving him second power play time. Yeah. And it's one of those, those happy little problems that the Canadians now have. It's something that before the season started, nobody expected that they would have. Now, in this last game against the Penguins, uh, Jack I was had over 18 minutes. He had four shots on net. He had four hits. He he was he was mobile. He was doing all the little things that he needed to do. Um, and then you look at guys like Monahan, Dvorak, Evans. They were winning the majority of their faceoffs. Now Suzuki had a hard time in the faceoff circle in that game. He did, despite the fact that he led the team in ice time. I think he was under thirty percent. It was pretty low. Yeah, it was pretty low. Yeah. Meanwhile, Monahan, Dvorak, and Evans were just lighting up the faceoff dot. They were winning all almost all their their faceoffs. So it, it evened out. But those little things, that's 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 where the Canadians ended up winning this game is that their depth players were able to step up. So, um, we'll talk a little bit about a trade rumors at this point. Uh, we will we will have a commercial come right back. And we're back for those who are live. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, that wonderful commercial. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll, before we jump into the trade rumors, uh, I think, I think the coaching needs to be addressed as well. A big reason why the Canadians are doing so friggin' well yep. is St. Louis. I mean, he's. Uh, I know he didn't. Ha- he doesn't have a lot of experience. You t- you you mentioned a little bit off the top of the of the show, uh, but the fact remains that <clears throat> he's enthusiastic. He knows the game. Yeah. He he likes to allow players to just go out and play. Yeah, he's the definition of a player's coach because he's a player. Yeah, like he's one hundred percent. He is 100% for the players and the players are see that in him and they play that much harder for him because they know that they can go out there, they can make a mistake and they're not going to get glued to a bench. That's the, that's exactly it. He He's letting them go out and make their mistakes. He doesn't care if they make mistakes. Well, he does, but it, it's the ones it's that glaring. get repeated. It's not, it's not glaring. You know, he's not screaming at guys on the bench and, uh, I said, they, yes, you might miss a shift type thing, but you're not going to get stapled to it. You know, you're not going to get stapled to a bench for a whole period. The only time you would, you would probably get his anger is if you're making the same mistake over and over and over. Right. But it doesn't seem to be the case with these guys. They're making their mistakes, but it's one-offs and they're learning from them and they're, they're evolving their game. And that I think is the biggest difference between the Canadians winning eight games and 47 games played last year versus eight games and 15 games yeah, played this yeah, year. Yeah. That Absolutely. right there, I think is a massive difference yeah. between, between what happened under Ducharme, which some of it was his fault. A lot of it wasn't. It's just situational. It, it's, it, it happens, but this approach seems to be making uh, seems to be coming at the right time with the right group of players. Right. Now that brings us to the trade rumors that are floating around out there. Uh, the big one being Josh Anderson. Yeah. Now the flames 
uh, according to Elliot Friedman, are in hard on him right now. There's been some talks. They've wanted him in the past. What do you think it would take for Treliving to get Anderson out of the Canadians and into a Flames jersey? Can you say that one more time? You uh, you cut it there for a second. Oh, sorry. Uh, what do you think it would take for Treliving to get Anderson into a Flames jersey? It would have to be one of those, you know, I can't uh, not accept this trade type deals. Like it would have to start with a top prospect 100%. And um, Hughes has already kind of come out and said that he doesn't want to take on take on salary just to move out a contract. And I don't think with um, in the case in the case of Anderson, he's still a very useful player. I don't think that you you move out a player like him to take on a contract like that. Um, but I said it would have to start somewhere high with like a Peltier or a Zeri or something like that. It would have to at least start with something like that. I don't, I don't find or, the need or I don't find the need to move this player. I'll just let that, I'll just throw that out there. The, the need is not there. The Canadians have looked for many years to get a player like Anderson. They have him now. He's yeah, and teams want a player like him. And yes, does he get injured every now and then? Yes, he does. But that's the kind of game that he plays and he, you know, he's the, he's, the, he's a guy that you want to have on your team when, um, when you're, you know, when you're, when you're playing the big game, like when you're going into the playoffs and everything is he's going to bring that, he's going to bring that energy to the lineup. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is a guy that you want to have in the lineup so that he can take on those, those harder minutes at the five on five level and go up against the the bigger the bigger defenders and soften them up a little bit create some space for his line mates by playing his physical style and north south style right which which is exactly why the flames would want him because he fits into Sutter's style of play yeah um but like you said Hughes doesn't have to make a make a move no at all so you either wow him or you wait because yeah. uh, while I agree that Anderson at 28 years of age, probably not fitting in with the core long-term, Hughes still has the option of time. He can, it, it would much, it'd be much easier to make a deal for the return that he would want in the summertime. Yeah. Something in this, something during the season means having to take on cap, which means in the flames case, getting Lucic to waive his no move or his no trade clause and go to the Canadians because yeah. their, their contracts are about the same. So one, do you really think Lucic would want to play in Montreal? Two, do you really think anybody in Montreal wants him there? No, I, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. And the thing is, I personally don't think he would waive to go to Montreal. He's, no. he's on his last year of his deal. And Calgary more than likely has a better chance at a playoff run than the Canadians do, especially if, if they, they can the get playoffs right? at this point. Yeah. If they can get everyone rolling and we, we know where this, this, um, these rumors are coming from. It's because Calgary was supposed to be the powerhouse team coming out of the West. And so far, yeah. Um, they've they've either looked good or they've looked awful. And right in, in the last little bit, they've really been dragging their heels and they haven't been playing well. When you have a team that has um, Jonathan Huberto on it, okay? He's put up six points in 11 games. He's currently injured, but six points in 11 games and he's only scored one goal. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane, a guy that put up 35 last year, has only got two goals in 14 games. Like it's their, it's their lack of scoring. It's not like they have the guy, they don't have the guys on their team that can score. I imagine your Pony put up 35 goals and 55 points last year. Uh, fucking Hubert who scored 30 and put up a hundred plus points last year. It's just, they're not, whatever they're doing. Like, it's not like there has been huge change other than, well, you can say huge change for that franchise with Goudreau leaving and with uh, to Chuck leaving, but you still brought in some very good players to replace them in 
uh, Nazem Kadri, Huberto, and then they also brought in Mackenzie Weger, who so far only has four points after putting up 45 to 50 last year with uh, the Florida Panthers and signing a big contract extension. Well, I think it's a lot to do with uh, they've had a lot of turnover from last year to this year. The guys are still trying to build that chemistry, um, but the Flames still have world-class goaltender. They do. In Markstrom. They do. They he still have. He hasn't been there this year, right? He hasn't been the guy this yet. year. And, and we can and we can say the same thing if we want to talk about goaltending really quick. We say the same thing about uh, Demko in, in Vancouver. Another guy that's a very top-tier goalie just hasn't been there this year. Absolutely. 100% true. And um, so Markstrom there, Markstrom's there. He's a world-class goaltender who hasn't really gotten to a stride yet this season. I have every expectation that he will. Yep. Uh, the The Flames still have one of, one of, if not the best overall blue lines in the they league. They got a good decor. They got a good decor. Yeah. So you got that coupled with gr- a really good goaltending, and you look at their forward group, they've got a couple of really big names who've put up some big numbers over the last couple yeah. of years, yeah. but it's the depth portion that they're kind of missing. It just, Dubé hasn't stepped up. Uh, you know, they, they need, they need a little bit of help on that top nine. And that's but, why I think the thing is, if you look Anderson at their, would be their target, but if you look at their team though, and then you look at the Canadians, <laughs> right. They, they, they've got Which one like, should just, be better. I'll just name off a few players off off of uh, off of hockey reference. Yeah, Nazem Kadri's at seven goals. Elias Lindholm has five, and Elias Lindholm is a, sne- a sneaky good player. Nobody really. A lot of people are. A lot of people look at him and they they don't realize how good this guy is. Tyler Toffoli, ex Canadian, has got five goals. Michael Backlund's got five goals. Huberto, as I mentioned earlier, has only got the one. Majipani's only got two. Uh, Blake Coleman's only got one. Dylan Dubé's only got one, right? Uh, the aforementioned uh, Milan Lucic, zero and 14 with three assists. Well, that's expected. Right? But as I said, I, I uh, people are going to be quick to say, let's give up Josh Anderson. Let's do, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, I wouldn't give it up just for just to, just to do a team a favor at this point. I, I really, well, I really wouldn't. Like right yes. now the Canadians, so right now the Canadians hold the Flames 2024 first pick. Maybe if the Flames were to offer up the 2023 <laughs> or 2025 or 2027, yeah. I don't know. It yeah. depends you on have the, to look uh, at the. You have to look at the matrix and how that works. <laughs> yeah. So let's just pretend like it'll be 2024. All right. For argument's sake, so th- yeah. that still leaves the 2023 pick out there, yeah. and it's it's a a pick that well in a year that. Hughes has said he wants another first round pick. Yeah. So if they offer that, I think that would be an excellent basis for any deal. Like th- that would have to be that that's a shoe in it must be included. Or yeah. I don't think Hughes says any, it says yes to anything. Yeah. I would say that. I would say that. Yeah. Because it would either be that and, or you're starting with a, you're starting with a top end prospect. Yeah. Yeah, because right, you so. definitely have to take back salary either way. Yeah. And with a Lucic, if he were to ever waive, at right. least his contract's in the final year and you can walk away. Yeah, because I look at like, I look up and down their roster and most of their players are still signed into next year plus. Um, yeah. Like Majipani's still three years at 5.8. Huberto, 5.9, then going to 10.5. And obviously he ain't going anywhere. Kadri's no. there for seven years at seven mil. Coleman's still there at 4.9 for five more years. Markstrom's got four more years. Uh Zatter, right? So there's nothing, there's nobody that you can really look at other than Lucic to say, hey, we'll take this guy off your hands as a cap dump. But yeah, exactly. As of right now, the player in Lucic, he ultimately just you know decides what he wants to do because he has a uh, modified no trade and there's only 10 teams he can be traded to and that's a list that he'll provide to the team yeah and this is why i think this is going to be something that happens in the summer versus by trade deadline right because you're looking at it and you're thinking from hughes's point of view it's not quite 
what you're you'd be looking for for a player like Anderson. Right. And if you're looking at it from True Living's point of view, do I want to give up all that before going on a long, uh, trying to make a long playoff run, or do I give one of those young guys that I would trade away anyway a chance to increase their value by playing in the NHL a little bit? Right. And there's been a lot of trade talk about um, a guy like Dvorak or a guy like um, yes. even Mo- even Monahan. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to really depend on what's going to happen with Doc at this point because Doc is is is, is he's done well on the wing. He still has that play, like he's still got that playmaking side of him. Um, he carries the puck really well. He just can't win a faceoff to save his life. Um, which you know, when you when you're when you're looking at more than likely that he's going to be the two C, puck possession is a big thing. If you want to have him on there um, on a power play, etc., uh, either running a second unit or being a secondary option, let's just say that to Suzuki uh, on a power play. You want you want to be able to have puck possession. You want to be able to shore up those numbers. If it happens that they keep him as a winger, and yeah, you, well, right, it, right. Do you do you look at in the off season? Do you look at getting another? Do you get it? Do you go out there and you get an actual two C? See, this is where everything gets iffy. What if, what if, what if? Yeah. Uh, but let's let's assume that Doc stays on that top line. Let's yeah. assume that Doc becomes a top six winger, vice uh, top six center. Right. You still have Dvorak who can fill in that second line role. Uh, they, depending on where they draft, they could end up drafting a kid that, you know, in the, say, the top 10 or 12, there's a ton of centers in there that'll end up being top six centers. Right. Um. So if you get one of them, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Beck is still in the system, and he's a year, maybe two away from becoming uh, a top nine center. So your depth at center isn't as bad as as it would seem. And Monahan, the way he's been playing, could possibly be your one real ticket to a first a first round pick this year. So I would hesitate to move Monahan and keep Dvorak. Dvorak's contract is is reasonable. For, and he he wins faceoffs. He could produce a little bit more, but he he eats up a lot of those heavier minutes. And he can support guys like Suzuki and Evans is there. Uh, and they've got options at center. That's right. I think that would be the an idealistic way to go at it if they wanted that first pick. As of right now, like before we move on. I'll just uh, I'll just still throw it out there. I own an Anderson jersey. I don't want him to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, I like the guy. It's having Slavkovsky in the uh, in the depth chart, though. It it kind of softens the blow if you have to move an Anderson True. because True. you have another power forward coming up. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking uh, again. That's more of a summer yeah. issue because then it gives Slavkovsky a little bit more time. It's also it gives everybody give, more time, right? And it's going to give teams that that are that, you know have some deeper pockets the opportunity to put a package together. And we've seen a few teams really stumble that shouldn't be uh, possibly one like uh, Vancouver or the other one being St. Louis that uh, are going to have to do some soul searching and really find out what they want to be as a team and who's going to move out in the off season. Yeah, and it also gives teams uh, a little bit of a an opportunity. If the cap goes up, you know, and some of those contracts are, you know, expire on their team or whatever, um, it gives a little bit more cap leeway to teams to take on Anderson's contract. Right. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on from the Anderson trade rumors, and we'll go into previewing the, the New Jersey Devils game on Tuesday night. And we will do so right after these messages. And we're back. Uh, for those on the live, I hope you enjoyed that commercial break. Uh, it was, <laughs> I felt it was a very special break. I, 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 
I, I truly enjoyed that one. Um, all right. So the Canadians are going to be up against the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday night, November 15th. Uh, and the Devils are on a tear. They are. They've had a couple of weeks in a row where they've gone three and oh, they're they're just they're rolling, they're steamrolling opposition now. They are after starting uh, the year 0 and two, uh, they've now won, and uh, it's it's went from uh, opening night, their uh, their coach getting booed to everyone saying sorry, Lindy, at the last game, where you know, rough, uh, you know, laugh that off at the uh, press conference after another win. But uh, they've, they've as, as you said, they've been on an absolute tear. Uh, they're scoring goals in bunches. They're sixth in the league in goal scoring. And uh, they're fifth in goals against. So they're not letting up a lot, and they're scoring quite a bit. And uh, for a, you know, a mid, middle-of-the-pack Canadians team, this is going uh, to be quite a matchup. This is going to be uh, a surprising matchup. Because, like, you know, you look at the Devils, and you don't think to them, you don't think to yourself, oh, we're playing Boston or we're playing Colorado. We're playing one of these other top tier teams, but you know, the devils are having a, a lot of success and a lot of people are talking about them. And these, these young players are are really starting to click and they're uh, they're, they're well coached with Lindy Ruff there. They've also got Andrew Burnett there. So you get a guy that's a Jack, a Jack Adams finalist as a, as a assistant coach, you bounce some ideas off each other. And uh, so far, you know, with 12 and three record, it's, uh, it's really working out for them. Yeah. They got the whole sorry, Lindy t-shirts going now. And (laughs) yeah, which I, I like that. I think it's, it's a nice gesture by this fan base to say, Hey, sorry, we, we overreacted a little bit. Um, And and we get to remember, sorry, uh, we get to remember they still, they're, they're still without Blackwood, who's arguably their best goalie. Um, and they're without Andre Palat, which was like their big, uh, acquisition, uh, during free agency. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think missing Palat is where, uh, that's, that's the soft spot in the devil's underbelly right now. Their power play isn't very good at the moment and their, their third line isn't really producing. And I think that has a direct correlation to the loss of Palat. Right. Had he been in there that power play would be clicking at a much higher rate and that third line would be rolling. So you have a team that's already, uh, they're not the devils of old. They're, they're a high pay. They're a fast paced team that loves to play open, open, wide open offense. Right. And then you throw that in and now you've got, you got a power play that that's clicking. You got a third line with uh, say Palat and Mercer who are t- keying off each other. And that type of depth with the, the way that they're playing, you're looking at a playoff team that could cause some problems in the Metro division. Yeah. Now for the game against the Canadians, the Habs are going to have, are going to be in tough because Nico Heischer's playing lights out hockey right now. And I know he gets, he gets crapped on, you know, he's not really a number one center because he's not putting up huge numbers, but this is a guy who, eats a ton of minutes, can play any style of hockey you need. He's a leader. That's the kind of player that every single team needs in their top six. Yeah. And you've got Jack Hughes playing behind him who doesn't need to eat up all those heavy minutes because he sure's doing that heavy lifting, which opens up, he uh, opens up uh, Hughes for a more offensive role, which is ideal. So, this is a it's a scary good team. Now, if they can find if the Canadians can find a way to kind of trip up the New Jersey offense, especially with Heischer's top line, um, and play a disciplined style of hockey, so they're not taking a lot of power plays or a lot of penalties. The Canadians penalty killing unit would be able to shut down whatever really shows up. And without their top line, I think the Canadians have a chance at stopping the New Jersey devil streak. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I really do. I think that they could definitely um, play spoiler. Um, you, we saw how the Canadians played just the other night against uh, Peng- the, against the Penguins, where you've got uh, a lot of depth at center, where you've got Malkin, you've got Crosby, you've got Carter, etc. And um, 
yes, as you mentioned, they've got they've got uh, Nico Heischer, they got Jack Hughes, they have Jesper Brad, who's another guy that's just been on an absolute tear. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere last year, put up seventy plus points, and right now is leading his team in points with, I believe, you know, nineteen or twenty. Um, and he's looking for a new contract, right? Yes, he is, and like even Thomas Tatar, uh, former Canadian, uh, he's put up eleven points so Ooh. far in the. Who? <laughs> yeah, right. Put up the eleven points in fifteen games so far, um, but I, I do believe that they do have an opportunity to to break this streak, and um, it, it really comes down to if they're able to shut down that line, stay out of the box a little bit, not give a guy like uh, uh, a Dougie Hamilton the opportunity to take a big you know slap shot on the power play type thing, uh, who's looked very good after missing a good part of the last year with an injury. He's put up 12 points so far this year. Um, it's going to really come down to uh, who wants it more. And it's hard to say who's going to get the start. If uh, they're going to give Allen a little bit of a break and put Montembeau in there, who, uh, su- you know, just surprising everyone is, uh, is playing some pretty good hockey. And he's not looking like Montembeau last year. That's for sure. Um, but we're probably going to see uh, a Vitek Vanacek against uh, against the Canadians. Uh, we might see Schmid play. It's it, it, it's 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 uh, there's a there's a chance there that he will. As Blackwood's still going to be out with an injury, um, but I, I would I would assume we're going to. Um, it's it's going to be it's I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a fun. It's going to be fun to watch, and it's also going to be first game with the reverse retro jerseys oh god and that stupid mascot and metal oh. makes an appearance oh yeah he was like he was, no, he they was tried re- they tried really hard to make him look like lemmy from motorhead oh, yeah. but they completely failed yeah he was he was partying hard with the other night you know like doing co- <laughs> you know doing coke off strippers asses and stuff so I, don't, I don't know about that but <laughs> But doing was, lines over at the shapery uh, oh, oh yeah so he was uh <laughs> he was partying pretty hard and you know what it, this it's it's something fun that they're trying to do and yeah. like some yeah. people are against it you know what i mean like but you know what it's for it's for the families it's for it's to get a rise out of people it's to it's to have a few laughs like some people are saying oh this is a disgrace to this and it's a disgrace <laughs> to this and whatever and it's like it's a it's, it's, it's a, not gritty right it's it's a it's a it's a mascot you know what i mean like he didn't shoot your grandmother you know like like calm down (laughs) maybe we don't know i mean that's a metal lifestyle right so but honestly that that uh that uh mascot that's the first time the canadians create their own mascot yeah because up was a he was a transplant from the expos that's right that's right so this is the Canadian's first attempt at creating a mascot. And, you know, I like to pick on mascots because, you know, it's fun. But um, except Yuppie because he's a god. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I do like the fact that they try, they're try they trying something. The, the reverse retro stuff, bringing him out just for that. Okay, I get it. Um, so, yeah, it's something fun. It's something different in a season where nothing fun or different was supposed to happen. Hey, let's let's enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but for the game against the Devils, uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, my expectation, and nothing's been announced yet, but my expectation is that Allen will get the start because it's at home yeah. with the reverse retros, mm-hmm. medals there. Yeah. You know, you want to, you know, you want some representation from New Brunswick, the most metal province there is. <laughs> yeah and and i and i believe and i believe um with him just winning the one that what the jean bellavo trophy yeah right i i think that they're going to want to actually they might even do like a, a like a before game presentation they i know they did one today in montreal but they might actually do one and actually honor them there on the ice um so yeah to be the starter probably would make sense and not to mention on thursday when the canadians are going to Columbus. They'll be playing the Blue Jackets, who are, I believe, at the moment, thirty second in the league. Right, you make that makes sense. And they just lost. So you would want and they Motembo just lost there. Patrick Lyonne. Just lost Lyonne. Yeah, you, you lost Warinsky. Uh, they they're playing a hurting team, so it might be the best thing to do. 
Yeah, and then it sets them up to have Allen back in net on Saturday night in Montreal against the Flyers. So it, it kind of they got a couple of days off in between each game. Right. Uh, and the way the 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 schedule works out this week, it just makes sense to go Allen Montebo Allen. Right. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Now, before we cut it out, uh, is there anything, any final thoughts that you want to share? Uh, two things. First, Canadians-based um, Slavkovsky is going to be coming back from his uh, suspension. Who's he? Who comes out of the lineup for him? Well, and tell me, who, tell me why it isn't Adnan. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? Like Dadnov just hasn't worked out. He's um I, I've tried to be as patient as I can with him, but uh when you put up zero points in the games that you've played, and I believe he's played yeah, he's played eleven games now. Um he's only taken 13 shots, he's a minus four, he's hit one thing. I don't know what it was, but he hit one person and he's blocked three shots and he's averaging 1327 right now. And it just hasn't worked out. And uh, when we talk about Matheson coming back, uh, part of me just wants to chuck this guy on waivers, but that it's going to kill, it's going to kill any opportunity or any chance that this guy's going to fetch anything at the trade deadline. And I, I think that's really what they're, what they're looking for, but 11 games into the season, you haven't put up a point, even though you've played on the second line, you've played, you know, you've, you've got some minutes, you've got some power play time, et cetera. It just hasn't worked out. And, you know, Slavkovsky is really your future and you've got to give this guy that opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm, Drew is still not all there, but I'm liking what I'm seeing a little bit more from his game. Um, So yeah, he's got to sit. And uh, my last thing that I want to bring up, uh, big stick top to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for their, um, yeah, I'm saying something nice about the Leafs. Uh, it was really classy what they did with Salming um, and, and bringing him out. And it was a, it was, it was a really uh, quite a moment in, uh, in the league this year. Um, you know, the, the, the images with him and Sittler and the, the fact that they started, uh, an all Swedish line to start the, uh, I, I enjoyed really that Swedish gesture. Line. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was a really classy gesture by them and, uh, you know, very good job. And, uh, uh, the one that stole the show though, the guy that stole the show was the veteran in the wheelchair during the, uh, remembrance day game. And yeah. as soon as the camera was on him, he was waving to the crowd and he just, he just lit up the crowd. And the, the more, the more he waved, the more they cheered and like um, very good on the organization for doing that. And uh, um, that's probably the only time I'm going to talk good about Leafs. So uh, offside, I'll if, you're be fair. if you're listening yeah. offside, James, it's the only time I'm going to say something nice. Yeah. And it was very nice. So that, that leaves me open to say this. Uh, having the veteran there is the first time any Maple Leaf fan has seen an actual hero on the ice. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So uh, that I don't have anything else. I just wanted to <laughs> thank everyone for, for tuning in, watching us live, watching us later on listening in uh, all the, uh, the well wishes, all the emails, the comments that we've been getting. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, I want a special thank you to Cryer Media for taking us on. And hopefully this collaboration makes the show better for all of you listening. Uh, so far, so good. I mean, we're already out tr one treg. So uh, there's actual space in the frame for all of us now because it was just Treg's muscles that were eating up all, all the space. It was all that. It was all that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. 
you looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.